Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, and I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you'd love biblical perspective on, biblical insight into and if you have a prayer request, we would love to pray for you here on the air. We've got lots of people tuning in um, around the country, actually, and even outside of the United States, people in our listening areas, um, three broadcast areas, and I'll greet each of you in just a second, but just want you to know that we are here to pray for your prayer requests, and we're here to answer your Bible questions. Maybe you have a question about the Bible that you've always wondered about, something you've always been curious about. Maybe you weren't sure, where do, where do I get these kind of answers? Um, and maybe you have a question that other people would also benefit from hearing the answer to. That's what this show is all about. Every weekday we have pastors available to you from 4 to 5 p.m. Mountain Time to answer those questions and to pray for those prayer requests. And I get to be your host every Friday here on Calvary Live. So I'd love to hear from you. Let me give you the number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Call me with your Bible questions and your prayer requests. Uh, your issues in life that you'd like to know how the Bible speaks into them, or in society or culture, we'd love to talk with you and answer those questions for you, 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. Well, today is Friday, May 28th, so you are hearing this show live today. I'm broadcasting here out of Longmont, Colorado, and glad to be with you today. Uh, we want to welcome all of you who are listening in Colorado and up into southern Wyoming on Grace FM. You're hearing the show live again today. As I mentioned, today's May 28th. It is coming up on Memorial Day weekend. I don't know. Does, when does the Memorial Day weekend actually start? Does it start? Did it start yet? I guess if you're off work, then your weekend has started. And if not, uh, yeah, I guess Memorial Weekend is a state of mind, right? The weekend is a state of mind. I hear that Friday, no, Thursday is the new Friday. So I guess that means maybe we're all on vacation already. I'm not sure, but this is going to be Memorial Day weekend. Hope that you are having a good one. It's supposed to rain a lot this weekend here in Colorado. So hopefully that doesn't mess with any of your plans. But again, greetings to those of you who are listening here in Colorado and in Wyoming on Grace FM. We also want to greet those who are listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. And we also want to greet those who are listening on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina. Just a heads up that those of you listening on Hope FM and Truth FM, you are hearing the show on a one-week delay. So keep that in mind. It just means that you hear the show a week after it aired live, but we want you to still be involved in the program. We want you to still call in with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests, and we will then pray for you. 
and we'll answer those questions. Then you can tune in a week later, hear yourself on the radio. Maybe that's an opportunity for you to invite somebody else to tune in and listen to that show along with you, and they'll get introduced to that Christian radio station in your in your area. That might be a beautiful way to get them interested um, interested in Christian radio, get them introduced to the station. Maybe it becomes a preset on their radio. Maybe it becomes something that God uses in their lives to bring about great change. It could be a great thing. We hear uh, reports all the time of people who listen to Calvary Live and they listen to Grace FM and how God uses it to change their lives, to equip them, to help them grow in the knowledge of the Lord, and in some cases, even to come to faith in the Lord Jesus for the first first time in their lives. So we'd love it if you would help share the word about Grace FM and about Calvary Live, as well as your local stations that you listen on, Hope FM up out on the East Coast, and Truth FM in the Appalachian region there in Tennessee. Just a few words about myself, but let me give you the numbers to call as well, the numbers to call with your Bible questions and with your prayer requests, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Yesterday, I hosted the show as well, and we left the show with um, a bunch of listeners waiting on the line who we didn't get in, we didn't get to their questions. We had a lot of text messages that we didn't get to answer. So if you are one of those listeners and you're able to tune in today, we'd love to hear from you. Call us back with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests. We want to hear from you and pray for you. 303-690-3000 and text us 720-336-0897. So just a few words about myself. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. And uh, our church here, Whitefields Community Church, we're a Calvary Chapel-affiliated church here in this city, just up the road from uh, Boulder, you know, in this kind of northern Colorado area. And if you are within driving distance of Longmont, we would love to have you with us uh, this Sunday as we continue a series that we started last week. We started a series on the Holy Spirit, the person and work of the Holy Spirit, called The Spirit-Filled Life. And in this series, we started out by giving her kind of a, a baseline for who is the Holy Spirit and what is the work of the Holy Spirit in the world. And then this week, we have part two of that series. This part is called The Work of the Holy Spirit in the Life of a Believer. And so in this message, we're going to be talking about, you know, what does it mean? What is the spirit of adoption, for example? What does it mean to blaspheme the Holy Spirit? What does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? And what does it mean to walk in the Holy Spirit? We're going to be looking at all of these things and how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. We're going to see the primary work of the Spirit in our lives as believers. And it, it's going to be um, a, a great study, I'm sure. So I'd love it if you join us this coming Sunday. If you're within driving distance, you can join us in person at our church here in Longmont. Our address is 2950 Colorful Avenue. It's 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont, Colorado, 80504. We're just on the north side of Highway 119. We're actually all right on Highway 119, on the north side of the highway, just opposite Sandstone Ranch Community Park, which is here on the east side of Longmont, kind of right in between downtown Longmont and I-25, and very accessible from all the surrounding areas. So if you're in uh, Frederick, Firestone, Dakona, we're right there where you are. If you're in Lafayette and Erie, we're very close. If you're in Longmont proper or in Niwot, maybe in North Boulder or... Lions, Berthid, Mead, we'd love to have you join us and worship the Lord and study his word with us this Sunday. 
You can join us in person, 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. Three, three in-person services, 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. And then we have online services at 9.30 and 11. And at the 9.30 and 11 services in person is also when we have Next Gen Children's Ministry. Yep, so somebody just wrote us, you have three services. Yes, we have three services uh, in person on Sunday, 8, 9.30, and 11. We'd love to have you join us for any of those. And uh, again, two online services at 9.30 and 11. And um, yeah, someone's asked, so so are you spreading out because of COVID? Well, originally we went to three services. Um, we we spread out because of COVID, but oh, over the past year, our, our church has grown quite a bit. And actually, we just in the past uh, week, we added um, quite a few more chairs to our sanctuary. We increased it by a, a pretty good percentage and, uh, and then just today, we actually got some more chairs. Um, so I was out of the office lifting things all day, um, getting some more chairs so that we can accommodate more people. So yeah, three services. And um, as of this Sunday, uh, we're no longer requiring masks. They're, you're absolutely welcome to wear one if you would like, but we're not requiring masks. And we are, um, we've taken back some of our social distancing measures that were in place. We're going back, you know, following the CDC's guidelines, but we're really excited to be back in that place of uh, being fully open for worship. And we'd love to have you join us at Whitefields Community Church. Again, you can find directions, information, listen to some past messages, check things out on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. And you can also hear me on Grace FM every weekday twice a day, 9.30 and 2.30 p.m. So 9.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. You can also hear me on Sundays at 1 o'clock p.m. You can also check out a podcast that I do called Theology for the People. If you're a podcast listener, go ahead and search me up in your podcast app. Just type in Theology for the People, and it'll come right up, and you should be able to get those episodes. We deal with a lot of uh, questions. This week's episode is about the formation of the New Testament canon. How do we get the Bible was Constantine involved? What exactly happened at Nicaea? Who is King James? Those are all things that we talk about in this week's episode of Theology for the People, so you can check that out as well. For now, let's go to Bob in Greeley, Colorado. Hi, Bob. Welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor Nick. I wanted to, to thank you for all you do and your commitment to the Word. Thank you for that. Oh, thanks, Bob. Very appreciated. So my question is, I, I guess, I think it's Revelation 21, where it talks about earth being completely destroyed, and we have a new earth and heaven without sea. Mm-hmm. Is, are we living then in all eternity on an earth-like planet versus in heaven? Is, is that heaven on earth? Can you explain that? I think the way you just uh, articulated it was very good that we will live for eternity on an earth-like planet. Um, I would put it this way. That is, it seems to be much more a tangible new heavens, new earth descends from heaven. The first earth has passed away. Um, It is a tangible thing as opposed to an ethereal thing, right? Ethereal meaning it's kind of like wispy, wavy. We're just kind of floating around on clouds. We're like see-through beings, you know, um, who are more like ghosts or, or spirits, like disembodied spirits. We know for sure that we will not be disembodied spirits. In fact, Jesus is called the first fruits of those who are risen from the dead. And we see a few things about Jesus' risen body that are really important for us as to what our risen state will be like. So first of all, Jesus has a physical body, right? People touch him. He eats food. Um, people grab onto him. 
and he invites them to touch him, place their hands in his wounds. But then at the same time, we see that he's able to walk through doors and he's able to show up places. And so on, in one way, he has a physical body. In another way, he is not encumbered by the limitations that our physical bodies have upon them in our lives here and now. Uh, we also read, you know, verses like Mark 13 that says that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And then maybe a, perhaps an even, even more helpful passage is in 2 Peter 3, where it says um, two things. It says that the world that exists uh, will, the world that exists now is stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction. And it talks about how this world will be destroyed. And there it is again. Here's here's a better part, portion of that. Second Peter three, starting in verse ten. So first part was verse seven. Now here's verse ten. The day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then when the heavens pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done in it will be exposed. Since all these things are to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be living lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for the hastening and coming of the day of the Lord? Um, because of the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. So, you know, that idea of dissolving is really interesting because it means that something's coming apart at its most elemental level. And so what it means is this, essentially the world that we live in will be destroyed. Sometimes we use this phrase, we say it's all going to burn, right? Don't get too attached to things because it's all going to burn. But at the same time, we could ask the question, if it's all going to burn, then what's the point in creating art? What's the point in building cities? What's the point in, you know, you know, putting curtains on your house, right? What's the point in doing anything tangible in this life if it's all going to burn? And there, there actually is a purpose to that because Paul says in regard to the resurrection in uh, 1 Corinthians 15 that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. In other words, it's not a waste of time to serve the Lord. And so, you know, we don't just want to, yeah, put all the plastic into the ocean, right? We don't just want right. to do all the strip mining and just totally decimate the earth. We're, we're called to be stewards of the earth. And it's a really interesting discussion as to whether the new heavens and the new earth, some people would, there's kind of two views on this. One person would say the new heavens and the new earth, yes, this earth will be destroyed, but then it will, so to say, be recreated or redeemed. And the new heavens and the new earth will be this earth redeemed. Other people would say, no, no, this earth will be completely destroyed. What is to come is something new and different, but it will be an earth-like planet, like, like you said at the beginning. I'm not sure which of those I agree with. I, I would guess that I agree probably more with the latter, that it is uh, a totally new planet. Um, but I do think that it will be much more tangible than it is ethereal. Okay. And why the reason for specifically stating no sea? I mean, obviously that, that affects our atmosphere, but why is it just going to be a land-based planet versus one with oceans like we have now? Yeah, no, that's really interesting. Um, I don't know, but I'll tell you this. The other thing is that there will be no sun. So, you know, you think about how, how that all works together. I don't know why, why there's no sea. Apparently there's no need for it. I think we're highly dependent on sea and water in our current state. Apparently we won't be in the state that is to come. Also, it says that there won't be any sun and that God will be our light. And so, so it's going to be very different. 
Um, but I think right. that in some ways it will be an Earth-like planet, like you said. I can't wait. <laughs> you know, there's a there's a really great book that I'd, I'd recommend if you haven't read it yet. Um, it's called Heaven by Randy Alcorn. Have you read that book? I mentioned it the other day, and I heard that. Yeah, I really recommend it. It's a great book, and he deals with a lot of these questions and takes a really, really biblical approach to it. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you, Pastor Nick. I really appreciate it. Thanks for the call. God bless you. Bless you, sir. All right, bye-bye. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Sunny in Clarksburg, Pennsylvania. Hi, Sunny. Welcome to the program. Hey, it's actually Tony. Oh, I'm sorry, Tony. How are you no doing? No worries. Good. I got a question, and I guess it's a kind of a, a weird one, but I've been saved for, for a great many years now, walking great with the Lord, having, you know, just that's working great. Now, I came from two parents who were very abusive and very harmful, so it took me a long time to forgive them, and there were many hurts between my parents and I, and also with my current wife and my kids, their grandkids. I know we're called to forgive. I know we're called to honor our mother and father. Now, I have forgiven them flat out because I know the Bible calls me to do that, and I, I did forgive them. But I guess where my question lies is the part where it says, honor thy mother and father. And, and I honestly don't want to open myself up and my family up to hurt again, uh, to disappointment, to all the things that go along with it. So I prefer to keep my distance. And I guess, you know, some people, I kind of question in my own mind, how strong is my forgiveness if I can't, you know, talk to them? I talk to them, I'm polite, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time with them. I don't want to visit them anymore. I don't want to do any of that. I love them. I pray for them all often. But it's just a hard thing to reconcile because I, my family doesn't want anything to do with them because they don't want to get hurt again, and neither do I. I don't know if there's any biblical grounds if I'm doing this wrong or if I should keep working at it. Because I've had people in church tell me, I'll keep working at it. Well, I've already forgiven them, but I just don't want to put myself in a position for harm again. Yeah, so I think there's a difference between uh, trust and forgiveness, right? Forgiveness is something that we're told to do. Like, if we don't do it, God says that he won't forgive us even, right? right. That's pretty serious. Um, now, on the other hand, trust is not necessarily something that we're commanded to do. Um, and so, whereas forgiveness is a command, trust is not. And I think they're two different things. Because you can um, forgive someone in an instant, um, and yet trust is something that has to be earned. It's something that can be lost in a moment, right? So trust is usually initially given very easily then it can be lost. And when it's lost, it can be very hard to get it back. And I think that that is uh, a different thing. Like, I think that sometimes people conflate the two things or they, they kind of mix them up, you know, where they think that in order to forgive someone, that means that you automatically trust them again in the same ways, right? It sounds like you have a family now. And as the head of that family, it sounds like, you know, you, you need to be a steward of the kinds of relationships that are in your your family's lives. 
I think at the end of the day, this comes down to an issue of your heart. It's something that I can't know. And um, I think it's between you and God, because you have to answer the question in your own heart with all sincerity before God as to, are you keeping distance from them because there's still some level of resentment in your heart towards them? Or is it because you're saying, hey, I love them. I forgive them. I will have a relationship, but that relationship needs to have certain boundaries because they are not trustworthy people and they are a risk. They're a danger to my family and and perhaps to myself and my time. You know, think about it like this. You're a person on a mission from God. Your mission from God is to go into all the world and make disciples. Your mission from God is to be a, um, you know, a good father and a spiritual leader in your home. And you have to make your decisions about what you do with your time based on your mission and what you're called by God to do. But here's the thing is that sometimes people would u- people can use that and we can kind of trick ourselves right into thinking that, oh, I'm just doing this like, you know, out of pureness of heart, just trying to keep my distance and honor them when, when in reality what's motivating you is a, a lingering sense of resentment. Now, I can't be the one to answer that question because I don't know your heart, but I know that you can bring that before God and just ask God, you know, like the psalmist says in Psalm 139, search me and know me, uh, you know, try me and see if there is any wrong way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And uh, that would be my advice to you is to go before God and ask him to do that. Awesome. I definitely will. Yeah, here, here, here's what it says. This is, it's been weighing heavy on my heart. I, I don't want to dishonor my parents, but at the same time, I want to protect my family. I want to protect my wife. I want to protect my kids Yeah. from, you know, more hurt. I understand. Here's what it says in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, know my heart, try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. I love that thought because it exudes so much humility and it, exu- it, it expresses the idea that I can, I have the capacity to deceive myself, right? Into thinking that, oh, I'm being altruistic with this. I'm, I'm doing the right thing out of a pure motive when in reality, I'm actually deceiving myself. And so what we want to do is go before God and say, God, don't let me do that. God, here, I'm going to bring this before you and ask you to show me if there's anything grievous to you in what I'm doing or if what I'm doing is actually honest and, and right before you. So that would be my advice. But let's go ahead and pray for you before you go. So, Lord, we pray for Tony, and we ask, Lord, that you would help him to know what it, what to do in this situation. Lord, help him to be able to see, make it clear to him, Lord, if, it is, um, if it's truly just a, a trust issue that he's not, not in a place where these are people that he ought to trust or needs to trust, or if if rather there is some lingering resentment that he's still holding on to. I pray if there is, Lord, you'd help him to really let go of that and to to really walk in freedom in regard to not having this burden of unforgiveness that he's still carrying around. But if, if that's not the case and it's just um, a matter of trust, Lord, I pray that you'd help him to make that make that distinction in his heart and really rest in knowing that he's walking in your ways and and doing what is right by his family and protecting them. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You bet. God bless you, Tony. You too. All right. Bye-bye.
Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air today. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Tim in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Tim. Welcome to the program. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. Um, so I had a question about, like, so after Adam and Eve get kicked out of the Garden of Eden, it says that there are angels that guard, like, the entrance of the Garden of Eden. So I was just wondering if that's, like, a is it a physical place, a spiritual place? Does it not exist anymore? Does it still, like, not have sin? So. Yeah, great question. So um, I here's here's my understanding on this. This is all prior to the flood, and it would seem to me that this was a physical place, not just a spiritual place or a metaphorical place. seems like it was an actual place, and that they were kicked out of this place, but then this place would have been, um, it would have been destroyed by the, by the flood that covered the whole earth. And so I would say it's not there to this day, therefore there's no need for an angel to guard it anymore. And what's interesting, that tree of life, the Bible shows us that the tree of life uh, reappears in the book of Genesis, in the new heavens and the new earth that come down. It says that there's this river that flows through, through the, the new Jerusalem, which is heaven. And uh, the, right there, it says that there in that place is the tree of life, which is, its leaves are for the healing of the nations. And so the promise of the Bible is that though... Eden has been destroyed, and we have been kicked out of Eden. In Jesus, Eden will be restored, and we will be reunited to the tree of life, that we can eat of it and live forever. Okay. Okay, that helps a lot. Because I was thinking, like, when they got kicked out, I guess my other question was, like, does Adam and Eve, were they able to see angels? Could they see it at that time? Like, when they got kicked out, were they able to still, like, see the angels that were guarding it? Or were yeah. they just like not visible to yeah. them? I'm not totally sure, but I would say that most of the time, not most of, okay, let's say some of the time in the Bible, and maybe most, but I'd have to, I'd have to actually sit down and draw it all out. But I'd say sometimes, and maybe most of the time in the Bible, when there are angels, people see them. You know, the word angel in both Hebrew and Greek means messenger. And so we know that it was a messenger from God at the east of the garden with a flaming sword turning uh, this way and that to guard the way to the tree of life. And I've, I've just got one minute, and I want to tell you something that I think is so interesting. A lot of people think that when it says that God was guarding them from the tree of life, lest they eat of it and live forever, that that was actually like a form of punishment, right? That God was like, now you don't get to live forever. Take that. But you know what? That's actually one of the most merciful actions that people don't always see the mercy of God in that. And here's why. Because if they would have ate of the tree of life after they had fallen into sin, think of how catastrophic that would have been. They would have lived for the rest of their lives in a fallen state, perpetually in brokenness and fallenness. And instead, what God says is, no, I'm not going to let you live forever. Instead, I am going to let you die so that I can re resurrect you to the new heavens and the new earth where you'll be reunited with the tree of life. That's kind of the story of the Bible. So 
when we read that they get kicked out of the Garden of Eden and there's this angel there that blocks the way, I think what, what I would want people to see more of in that story is the understanding that this is the mercy of God at work and it's because he loves us. Okay, thank you. You um, It's an interesting perspective I didn't even notice. Well, cool. Hey, I'm going to let you go because we're going to our uh, two-minute mid-show break right now. So thanks for your call, and God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. All right, bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. We have all open lines going into our two-minute break. Give us a call during the break. We'll get you on right after. The number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. And we'll be right back in two minutes' time after the break. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon and welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, 720-336-0897 for the text line. Hey, right before the break, we were talking about the Garden of Eden and the angel that guards the way to it. If you have any questions related to that or anything else going on in your life or in society, any questions about theology or the Bible that you have questions about, give me a call. I'd love to chat with you about those things. Uh, Give me a call with your prayer requests as well. I'd love to pray for you on the air. There's a lot of people tuning in and listening who would love to hear your prayer requests and say yes and amen and lift those up to the Lord together with us. We've got all open lines right now. Number to call is 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, or text us 720-336-0897. Well, we have a text question that came in, so I'll go to that real quick. One question is this, did both thieves on the cross go to heaven? I just remember one of them going. So yeah, as far as we know, only one of the thieves on the cross went to heaven. Remember that one of the, one of the thieves next to Jesus was mocking him and saying, Hey, you know, save yourself if you are the son of God. And the other one kind of said, Hey, don't say that. You know, I, I believe. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth today, you will be with me in paradise. And so I don't know what happened after that, that interaction could have been that the other thief, you know, had a change of heart there as he's hanging on the cross and things changed. But uh, we don't know that for sure. We do know that uh, one of them mocked and the other believed, and Jesus promised the one who believed that he would be with him in paradise that very day. So hope that answers your question. Thanks for texting in. We've got another text question or prayer request. Or actually, it's a question. Here's what the person says. I have a coworker who is very envious of me, sometimes to the point of lying about me, how should I handle this biblically? And thank you for what you do. 
Well, uh, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that that person is envious of you and, uh, and even lying about you, kind of wanting to take you down. I would just recommend that uh, the way that you should treat people who uh, treat you this way is outlined by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, particularly in chapter 5 of Matthew's Gospel, and, um, and also in Luke chapter 6, which is a related sermon that Jesus taught, uh, much of the same context, content, but it was at a different place. It's called the Sermon on the Plain. So that's in Luke chapter 6. Sermon on the Mount is in Matthew chapter 5. And they both basically say this, you know, if you uh, only love people who love you, what good is that to you? Every, everybody loves people who love them, right? There's nothing special about that. But I love how Luke 6 puts it, and I'm just going to look it up real quick so I can read it to you. But it talks about what to do with your enemies. And now, let me make clear, maybe you don't view this person as an enemy, but clearly they're treating you as an enemy. And it says this, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If someone strikes you on the cheek, meaning slaps you in the face, offer them the other one also. You know, if someone steals your tunic or steals your cloak, let them have your tunic too. Give to everyone who asks from you and from the one who takes away your goods or steals from you, do not demand them back. As you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. And then he goes into this thing. If you only love people who love you, what benefit is that to you? If you only do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? Everybody does that. If you lend to those who, uh, from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. But then he goes into this and he says in Luke 6, verse 35, but love your enemies and do good and give, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and to the evil. So to me, that seems like a good word to what you're going through. And, um, you know, I think that all those things apply. Here's someone who is doing evil against you. What does it say? It says, love them and give to them and don't expect anything in return. And he says, if you do that, you know who you'll be like? You'll be like your heavenly father because God in heaven, he is kind to the ungrateful and he is kind to the evil. Just think about that. Think about how many people uh, spit in the face of God, if you will, and yet God loves them and he takes care of them. He continues to provide for them. He keeps their hearts pumping and breath in their lungs and keeps sending rain from heaven upon them. And I would just encourage you that where do you get the power to treat somebody who treats you badly well? You get the power by looking to Jesus who did that exact same thing for you. Though you were an enemy of his, he treated you like a friend and gave his life for you. And I would advise that you try to just love this person and express to them that you have nothing but love for them. You have nothing. This is not a competition. This is like a competition where they're competing against you, but you're not competing with them. You love them and you just want to be I don't know, kind and gracious to them. I would say treat that person like a friend and perhaps you will win them over. I know there have been people in my life who at times I've looked at at times with envy in my heart. I know it's not good, but I've caught myself being envious of people who had things that I wanted. And then there were times when those people treated me so kindly and so well that we ended up becoming friends and my envy towards them uh, dissipated. Now, I, I don't advise anybody to be envious. It's a terrible place to be, by the way. It's a, it's a terrible thing. It's like drinking poison. You know, it's very bad for your soul. 
But I will tell you this, having been on that side of it, I can tell you that if that person, you know, really reaches out and befriends you, you know, I, that person, who knows this person who is being envious of you, maybe they'll just be like, I don't want anything to do with you. And I'm just going to keep stabbing you in the back. Um, I would advise you to keep, um, doing what it says here in Luke chapter six. It's totally, um, totally countercultural, totally goes against the grain of our human nature and what we want to do. But this is the way of Jesus. It's a new and better way. And it's the way that leads to life. So let's go ahead and go to our next caller, Ama in Highlands Ranch. Hi, Ama. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Pastor. I appreciate all that you do. They don't have a area. I'll come and visit. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> My pastor is Pastor T. Okay. Uh, Fernando, yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, you love are all my Fernando. favorite. But since I'm talking to you right now, you are my favorite. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Well, I, I like Pastor Fernando. I just uh, texted don't, with don't him. Don't let this... my pastor hear that. <laughs> yeah, I just talked to him this week. So what's going on? What can I do for you? Yeah, my my, my question is um, Isaiah 56. And um, Acts 7, 49, where he says that my uh, heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. And um, um, where, the house, where is the house that we have built him? God is everything, but he said... Where is the house that we have built for him or his resting place? He owns everything, but he said his resting place. So I need uh, some kind of clarification where he said, we, Where is the house that we have built for yeah. him? Yeah, so here's, here's the point of that verse. It's also quoted, by the way, in Acts chapter 7. And, um, and it's also used in other places in the Bible as well. But the key here is this. God is saying that unlike, so a really important thing to understand about the book of Isaiah, and particularly these chapters towards the end of the book of Isaiah, is that God is talking about how he is different from the idols and the pagan gods that are worshipped in the ancient world, and even by things that people trust in today. So in the ancient world, there were pagan gods, and a lot of people thought about gods as like each tribe or each nation had their own gods. They were the gods of that nation. A lot of people thought about the God of Israel as being Israel's God. And then, you know, other nations had their gods and even other tribes might have their gods. And, you know, that's just how it was. And, you know, you worship whatever God your ancestors worshiped and that's fine. Just don't tell anybody else that they can't that they need to worship your God. You worship your God and leave everybody else alone. That same attitude exists today, doesn't it? Where people say, Hey, I have my beliefs and you have your beliefs, and don't try to convince me that your beliefs are right for me, and I won't try to convince you that my beliefs are right for you. That's a very popular belief today. We sometimes call it pluralism. So um what Isaiah is showing us, well, what God's speaking to us through Isaiah is that that's not how it works with him, that he is not just a local God. 
He's not just the God of the Jews. He's not just the God of some people, but he's the God of the whole earth. And there is a temple in Jerusalem, but he's not limited to that temple. And that was a really important message in Isaiah's time because towards the end of the book of Isaiah, the people of Israel get taken into exile in Babylon. And as they get taken into exile, what happens is that the temple in Jerusalem gets destroyed. And a lot of people, they, they didn't believe that God would ever allow the temple to be destroyed. And they thought that God was going to protect the temple and the temple had special protection from God. And what Isaiah is saying is that, no, the temple, the temple, yeah, it serves a purpose. God told the people to build it, but God doesn't need the temple. If you go to Babylon, God is the God of the whole world and God will be there in Babylon. And if you go to, you know, Japan, Siberia, Africa, if you go to South America, wherever you go in the world, God is there because he's not a local deity and he's not tied to a building. So when you read that verse, where is the house that you have built for me? Understand it's not God requesting that we build him a house. Rather, it is God saying that he doesn't need a house. You know, when, when we talk about church buildings, I was talking to somebody the other day about this. And they were saying um, they liked the phrase I used. When we moved into our church building, I told our church, I said, hey, look, you know what a church building is? The church building is the family vehicle, right? It's a family van. As the family grows, you got to get a bigger van sometimes so that you can fit all the kids in the car. You know, sometimes you got to get the, the minibus to fit all the kids in the car if you got a lot of them. Um, and, you know, sometimes you got to get a new van because the old van broke down and doesn't work anymore. So that's the way that we should think about our church buildings. They're not a, not a place where God lives. They're a place for the, the family to use, kind of like the family minivan. Wow. Thank you very much. Cool. Well, hey, thanks for calling in. And tell, <laughs> this Sunday, I want you to tell Pastor Fernando that Pastor <laughs> Nick says hi. Okay. <laughs> okay. God, God bless you. God right. bless you. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We've got 16 minutes left in the show. We've got all open lines, which means we've got time for a few more calls. We'd love to hear from you. Love to answer your Bible questions. Love to pray for your prayer requests. So give me a call. Seven, or sorry, give me a call. Here's the call in line. 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. 690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. You know, you'd think after all of these times of reading that number on the air that I would have it memorized, but there I started just to give you guys my own personal number, which uh, I'm kind of glad I didn't put that out on the air, although I don't know. I don't get that many calls, so it wouldn't have been a big deal. So let's go back to our text line as we wait for more calls to come in. Uh, one person says this, I have been seeing many heavy debates about whether one can have a sinful sexual relationship with their spouse or not. What would be a sinful sexual relationship with your spouse? Well, I would say this. Um, a sinful, I, I do think it is possible to have a sinful sexual relationship with your spouse. On the one hand, it would seem that the purpose of a sexual relationship in marriage 
is mutual giving of yourself to the other person. And it seems to be also an act of service to the other person. So if you are acting in a way that is selfish or a way that hurts the other person, that is not kind and loving, you know, we use this term and we, it's used in pop culture today. It's this idea of making love. Now, sometimes, you know, sexual relationship isn't necessarily making love in, in every case, but in marriage, it should exactly be that it should be two people expressing love to each other physically. And that should be the, if we look at it through that lens, it, it becomes very clear why, uh, you know, or what we should do. And that is, well, what is it that serves the other person? In other words, it isn't for only self-gratification. It must be, you know, the celebration of the unity that we have. And, and therefore, the view needs to be towards serving the other person. So if you're not doing that, if you're using the other person, if you're hurting them, obviously, that would be sinful. On the other hand, if you are, Paul even says this, if you are withholding um, physical love from your spouse, just let's say maybe you're doing it to, you think that you're teaching them a lesson or kind of like withholding something until they give you something in return. In other words, using it as a manipulative tool, that would also be a, a sinful sexual relationship. So I hope that answers your question. And thanks for texting in. God bless you. Well, we've got some more callers who've come on the line. In the meantime, let's go to Justin in Parker, Colorado. Hi, Justin. Welcome to the program. Hello. Hey, how you doing, man? Doing great. What's up? Nice. Good to hear from you. I listen to you guys all the time, so it's just crazy to hear your voice on my phone. Awesome. But um, Okay, so my question is this. I was listening to Romans a lot, and, um, you know, I'm like 32, so, you know, I got a daughter now, and I'm getting a little not too old, but, you know, getting a little older and it, you know, it's, um, you think of companionship and you think of having somebody with you and like, it's just, it's different as you get older. Like, you know, I guess things probably have just changed me a little bit, but anyways, in the Bible, it says, um, that he, he would rather you just remain single, not married, but if you can't control your, you know, your urges and stuff like that, then you should get a wife. But I mean, should we expect to have a wife in our life or should we just praise Jesus, you know, like, and just let it ride out. Like, mm -hmm. hopefully that makes sense. It does. You know, Paul says this, he says, basically be content in whatever situation you're in, but contentment is not the same as complacency. Contentment doesn't mean that you can't have desires for things and work towards those desires, but contentment means this. I'm in a situation and if this situation never changes, that's okay right? Like I, I will be content in this place that I'm in because I know that God has me here for a purpose and for a time. So here would be my advice to you. Don't go out, um, you know, striving to find a spouse. Rather, seek Jesus. Don't seek a spouse. And if Jesus brings you a spouse into your life, that can be a beautiful thing. You know, it says in the Bible, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. You know, but what Paul's saying is that in some, some cases, rather than being obsessed with marriage, we need to be obsessed with serving Jesus. And if you can be in a marriage that helps you do that, hey, that's cool. But you yeah. know what? If not, that's me, okay too. Yeah, because you know what? We, we follow a man who was an adult man who was never married, right? We, 
we have the Apostle Paul, and a lot of people think that he was married and his wife left him when he became a Christian. I personally think that that's probably true. Um, but Paul said, I'm not looking for another wife because I'm so busy serving the Lord. That, that, you right, know. He, was, he was with Jesus. <laughs> yeah, so that would be my advice to you. And I'll tell you the other thing, is that when I've, I've sometimes met people who they're really searching for a spouse, and sometimes there's almost nothing more, and they don't realize this, but this is true. There's almost nothing more off-putting than somebody who really wants a spouse. You know, what's, what's actually attractive is somebody who is pursuing something and then somebody else comes alongside and says, wow, I can see that you're passionate about that thing. I want to join you and come alongside you and let's do that together. Yeah. So some, somebody put it this way. I like how this, this was just texted to me. There's nothing less attractive than desperate clinginess. In other words. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Um, C.S. Lewis puts it really this way in his book on love, which is called the four loves. He says that when it comes to friendship, and, and by the way, I believe that friendship is the basis, I'll call it this, spiritual friendship is the basis for a healthy marriage. Um, here's what he says. The basis of a friendship is not two people looking at each other and obsessed with each other. That's the, ba that's the posture of romantic love. But the posture of friendship is two people standing side by side, looking at something else, and then they look over and notice each other and say, oh, you too? And that, that when that happens, then a friendship is born. But he says, that's why, and this is kind of a, a harsh thing that he says in a way, but I think he's right. He says, that's why those um, sad people who want nothing more than friends can never find them because there's nothing else that they love. They're not passionate about anything except they just don't want some friends so that they're not alone. But because that's the only thing they care about, the irony of it is that they'll never have friends because in order to have friends, you have to want something else. I think the same thing's true when it comes to finding a godly spouse. You know, if you're out there pursuing Jesus and serving Jesus, then somebody else is going to come alongside and say, wow, I want to pursue Jesus and serve Jesus. We're heading the same direction. Why don't we go in that direction together? When that happens, and if that happens, hey, that is great. I remember when I met my wife, I was not looking for a girlfriend or spouse. I was serving as a missionary and she was serving as a missionary. And I remember having this thought in my mind one day where I said, man, if I ever get married, I want to marry somebody just like her. And the reason I wanted to marry somebody just like her was because she was sold out for the Lord. She was serving him. She was serving others. She's loving others. And reading the Bible and praying for others. And I thought, man, that is the kind of person I want to marry. And then it, I'm so uh, daft, I guess, that it took me a bit to realize, well, I could just marry her. And then I did. So <laughs> yeah. end of the story. Yeah. That was nice. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate the input, man. It's, it's good. You know, I just don't ever normally share things with people, but I was like, dude, why not? Yeah. Cool. Go all out. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the input, brother. You bet. God bless you. Bye bye. God bless you, man. Have a good one. Somebody texted in in the meantime saying, um, and it also helped that your wife wasn't married at the time. Uh, yes, that would have been a prerequisite, of course, um, for me dating her. So, yeah, good stuff. So, let's go to Karen in Loveland, Colorado. Hi, Karen. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. I'm good. Thank you. Um, I just have a quick question. 
who are the elders in heaven that are mentioned in the Bible? Okay, so um, this is in Revelation chapter 4, if I remember correctly. And here's what it says. Surrounding the throne of God. So in Revelation 4 verse 1, John gets caught up to heaven. In other words, he experiences what we might call the rapture ahead of time. He gets a preview. He gets caught up to heaven. And he says there in heaven, what did he see? Well, he saw a throne and surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their head. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's the end of that verse. But here's the thing. The book of Revelation never actually specifies who they are, but it seems that they are representatives of the church. Now, it is probably unlikely that they are angels. Some people think they are. I, I personally don't. Um, the fact they sit on thrones indicates that they are reigning with Christ. And nowhere in the Bible do we ever see angels ruling or sitting on thrones. But the Bible does say that um, we will rule and reign with Christ. And the church will rule and reign with Christ. So it would seem that these 24 elders are representatives of the church who are there in heaven ruling and reigning with Christ. Uh, furthermore, they have white robes on, which is the mark of those uh, who have, um, who have, who are saints. In other words, they are human beings who Holy. are saved. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. God bless you. God bless you. Thanks for calling in. All right. Bye bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. We've got five minutes left in the show. We're going to go over to our text line here in just a minute. But just uh, real quick before we do that, my name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. If you're looking for a place to worship this Sunday, we'd love to have you join us. We have three services on Sunday mornings. You can join us at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. at our church here in Longmont. We're located right on Highway 119, just east of downtown Longmont, in between downtown Longmont and I-25, really accessible from I-25, County Line Road, Highway 66, and Highway 119, as well as Highway 52. Very easy to get here, and we'd love to have you join us. Um, our address is 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont, and you can also just go to our website and get directions and all that good stuff there. The website is whitefieldschurch.com. So that's whitefieldschurch.com. Dot com for more information there. So let's go back over to our text line and see what texts have come in. Um, someone named Keith just says, hey, I just want to say thanks for Grace FM and God bless you. Hey, thanks, Keith. God bless you. Thanks for letting us know that you are tuning in. Someone else writes in and says, I purchased a chronological study Bible for the first time. It does not have traditional chapters, but are called epochs. Why? But, you know, I'm not actually familiar with the Chronological Study Bible. I have used a chronological reading plan for the Bible, which I found very helpful. Um, it starts with Job, for example, and, and goes through all of the different parts of the Bible, kind of skipping around back and forth. Uh, someone else just wrote in and said that their Chronological Bible does have chapter headings. I will tell you that in Genesis, the book of Genesis, um, before the Bible was divided into chapters and verses, that's kind of a way for finding our way and navigating the Bible and quickly finding passages. Uh, the book of Genesis has an, its own interior, internal uh, system 
which it calls the books, right? So the book of uh, Adam, the, the, oh, sorry, the generations, that's what's called. These are the generations of Adam. These are the generations of Seth. And it goes through these different generations, which basically function as chapters. So I'm wondering if that's what's being done there, but I'm not familiar with the chronological study Bible um, and why chapters might be divided into epochs, but I'm interested. Um, it looks like it's put out by Olive Tree and I'm just pulling it up right now. Olive Tree is a good publisher. I've seen some good stuff from them. Oh yeah, I see there it says Epoch Before the Patriarchs. So um, it seems that what that epoch is describing is not necessarily, the Bible text is not broken down necessarily into that, but it is um, breaking down the commentary into that and helping you understand different epochs or epochs of time, not necessarily in the verses, but prior to the verses and what we call a commentary. So, so if I'm understanding correctly, that should be understood as commentary, not as the actual biblical text. So I hope that makes a good, helpful distinction for you, but um, I hope you're reading the Bible. That's, uh, you know, somebody asked me this past weekend, we did a conference and somebody asked me, what's the best version of the Bible? I answered their question, but I also told them, you know, there's a, there's a sense in which the best version of the Bible is the one that you're going to read. And I would tell people that I'd rather have you reading the Bible, no matter what translation you're reading, than not reading the Bible. But of course, my personal favorites would be New King James, uh, English Standard, and the uh, NASB. Hey, we've come to the end of our show. My name is Nick Cady. I've been your host today here on Calvary Live. I'm with you every Friday. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Check us out this Sunday. We'd love to have you join us whitefieldschurch.com whitefieldschurch.com I'll be with you again next week God bless you You've been listening to Calvary Live Tune in next time for prayer and God's word